it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you for a full two hours today. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm trying to get my mind back off basketball onto football. No basketball game today, Steve. Yeah, the basketball game tonight against Tennessee Martin was uh, canceled, not postponed, canceled yesterday, so that game will not be uh, scheduled. So the next game for the Illini basketball team is Tuesday night, 8.30, in Raleigh-Durham against Duke. Duke played last night, by the way. Beat Bellarmine. 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 Bellarmine? That's how they say that in in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Bellarmine in its first game as a Division I team. They've been Division Mm -hmm. II. Yeah. They won a national championship in Division II. But uh, Duke uh, got them 76-54, so a little tune-up for the Illini. You see, J.D. Stewart has been, uh, I, I say benched, he started the previous game and went uh, 0, for, uh, 0 for 7, I believe. And so, uh, you know, he was co-player of the year in the state of Illinois last year along with Adam Miller. And um, he did get a basket or two last night, but uh, he's he's uh, going to have to fight his way back into the lineup. And Adam Miller doesn't have to fight his way back in the lineup, but he's found some shooting Over woes. 10. Can yeah. you believe that from three? Yeah. Just when I'm saying he's one of the best shooters we've ever had. <laughs> well, that's what a little that, def- that put the jinx on him. That's what a little defense will do for you, too. Yeah. Baylor played that defense as well as any college team I've seen in a while. There's a lot of difference between shooting that three-point sh- shot when you're open and when you're covered. There's a lot of difference, a big difference in percentage. And when a team focuses like Baylor did on Io, and some you know some of the uh, opportunities for those open shots aren't there if Io can't uh, be effective in distributing, uh, you know, penetrating and distributing. A little bit, it seems a little bit imbalanced that way, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not getting enough out of Fraser and, and Williams in that starting lineup. It puts a lot of pressure on Miller and and Io to score, and. Uh, you got to bring Fraser back here some way. I mean, he had five, uh, five officially. He had five turnovers in that game, and and uh, we just need those two guys to produce more. And I don't know if I just don't know if Williams is, is ever going to have that uh, that ability. I just he's not a scorer. Yeah, Illinois had only twelve turnovers, which isn't terrible in in a game like that. But uh, well, they really added up in that second half, though, didn't they? There was a period of time there. When the turnovers were, were turned into Baylor baskets. Yes. Frazier had five. Io had three. And uh, five other guys had one each. So Cabrello played some minutes and didn't turn it over. Well, That's of, what I worry about with him a little bit. Well, yeah, until he gets mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, accustomed to everything, he's going to make some turnovers. But there's a lot of talk now, particularly in the media, about – more playing time for Corbella because he gives you something offensively that uh, you're not getting uh, from some of the players that are starting. And the question is, and I don't know the answer, is is how good is he defensively? Is he going to be an effective 
player on both ends. I think there's every chance to believe he will be. He's quick enough. But but uh, freshmen are usually take time defensively. Yep, and I think you have to have to live with that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, especially with young guys. Yeah, it's kind of hard to. He's live played with four it, though, college. When you're playing Baylor uh, and Duke. Well, that's true. <laughs> he's played uh, four college games, and uh, so that's gonna. But he he can do things that other guards on the roster can't do, and a lot of other guards around the country. The the way he handles the ball and penetrates and. I like the looks of him. I've kind of liked him since seeing his his high school highlight videos. And when you look at those, you got to look at them with a grain of salt because they are. Whoa. Turn that down a little bit, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear it now? <laughs> because they, they are highlights, not just uh, game action. By the way, speaking of game action, I watched a little bit of, and I don't even know how it came out because I didn't watch it all, Luke Goody's game. Last night. Yeah, I did not. Uh, he missed his first three or four shots w- when I was watching. They were playing Warsaw, Indiana, but I, I didn't follow up. I shouldn't have even brought it up because I didn't, I didn't watch it very long. But uh, anyway, we've got basketball to talk about. We've got the, you know what, there's a football game today, 2.30 this afternoon against the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, Iowa has been so stunningly consistent over time with their with their defense and their overall Consistency, I'd call it. They, they're just real consistent. They don't give up points. They, they haven't given up 25 points in the last 20 games. So that's, that's an incredible record right there. I don't suppose anybody in the country's got that. Don't think so. And they're five points away from being undefeated. Yeah, yeah. They lost to Purdue by four and yeah. Northwestern by one. Yeah, 24-21 and 22-21. Those, those are the kind of games they play. Yeah. And they're going to win some of those and they're going to lose some. And and uh, Purdue beat them on a, on a last pass to Bell. I still remember it because Iowa, when they have a small lead late, they usually manage defensively to hang on. But in that particular case, the pass struck and, and uh, Purdue pulled it out. That game will kick off at uh, no sooner than 235. Could be about 240 before it actually goes. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, two games on the uh, Big Ten football schedule today have been canceled, canceled earlier in the week. Northwestern at Minnesota and Maryland at Michigan. Ohio State is in East Lansing and will play at 11 o'clock this morning against the Spartans. Penn State plays at Rutgers at noon. Nebraska is at Purdue. And then at 2.30, the same time our game starts, it's Indiana-Wisconsin. That'd be a fun one to watch. We'll be kind of busy, but yep. uh, be interesting to keep an eye on yeah that's that's a game of uh where everybody's going to be watching the quarterback Mertz for Wisconsin who was uh, a freshman and doing really pretty well I'd say and uh, was brilliant against Illinois and of course Penix being out for Indiana that's a that's really hurtful and that makes that makes uh, Wisconsin the clear favorite in that game this is the quarterback situation Mm -hmm. where are you on the question of Ohio State in the postseason, well, I'm going to. I'm in uh, right now. I'm in the wait and see. Sure. But I, I would say that one. Of, I, I think there's a lot of things that have to be considered. If they can't play Michigan next week, that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And I got to assume it's strongly. It's very likely that Michigan is not going to be able to play. Now that's that could change. If they play the game, then it'll all be settled there. There's also the possibility they could play a week later. Now, it's supposed to be east versus west, but they could make that work 
by letting two Eastern teams play. Ohio State and Michigan could play on that weekend. And some two Western teams could play on this, you know, that hadn't played each other this season. I'm not sure who – I haven't done enough research on it to tell you how that would work. I'm just saying that there could be changes in the scheduling to allow Ohio State to play somebody else next week and then maybe play Michigan the following week. But the following week is championship week. I know. I know. Well, they wouldn't be in the championship. Well, unless they change Well, they their wouldn't minds. have enough games. Unless they, the Big Ten changes their mind on that. Well, okay. You're right. You're they've, right. they've talked about it. Yeah. They think it's – it's not necessarily. You can you, know, yeah, you can have a revote. Just, you, you can interpret this however you want. We made it's, a mistake. It's not necessarily a favor to Ohio State. It's good for the Big Ten. Yeah, to, I, I agree with that. To have them go as far as they can. A go. lot of money involved. Exactly. If you get the team in the Final Four. Right. Uh, question is, would they take Ohio State in the Final That's Four? That's a good question there. Depending on how you know whether they play enough games for their consideration. Right. I, I mean, it's a total confusion. But right now, Ohio State needs to play these next two dates. And if they don't, then I don't know what's going to happen nationally. Yeah, Ohio State's sitting there just on uh, four games where most everybody else has played six. And some, like Illinois, have played five. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. this how. will be five today. Yep. So they just got to get one more game in mm-hmm. to, for six. And I, you know, you just saw what. BYU uh, did this weekend. They're going to play a, a football game that wasn't scheduled until late this week because Liberty has got the virus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, could Ohio State play somebody outside the conference? Now, that, that was barred when Nebraska wanted to do it, but would they change? That, that was a bad decision. I mean, if, if, so, if a, one of your conference members wants to play a team outside and that member – and, and that particular team uh, has uh, decent virus testing, then they, they should be allowed to play. Why not? The Pac-12 is doing it. Now we see BYU doing it. Why couldn't Ohio State play somebody else outside the conference just to get another game in? Good question. Who would want to play them? Ohio State, <laughs> right. Ohio State missed games with Illinois and Maryland. Maryland be interesting if that would work out where they could play one of those two teams of course somebody else would have to cancel you know Northwestern would have to cancel the Illinois game follow me and Michigan would have to cancel the well Northwestern the Northwestern Illinois game is going to be played because it has implications but I know but uh, But that's saying nobody gets the virus you know nobody Northwestern or wherever but well, I bet Scott Docterman uh, of Iowa has got some ideas on this. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear what he has to say because there are a lot of different possibilities, And but it t- it's going to take some people sitting down and, and mapping out scheduling and, and figuring out some way for Ohio State to play another game after this game today. Yep. Here's our guest lineup. Lauren led me into that. Scott Lock- uh, Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City will join us here in just a few minutes. The phone lines are open, by the way. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Coming up at nine thirty, Martin O'Donnell from our radio team will be with us for a few minutes. Then a more open line after that, and then coming up at ten o'clock, we'll talk some basketball in uh, that hour. Trent Meacham at ten o'clock, Joey Wagner from the Decatur Herald and Review at ten thirty. In the meantime, an open line. Let's go to the lines and get uh, 
Caller number one, Alan, go ahead. You're on the air. Morning, guys. Uh, if we have some, uh, you know, postponements in the Big Ten, are we going to make these up or can we? Yes. Have they discussed that? In basketball? Yes. Yeah, they can make it. They've got dates to make up, I would think. The answer is yes. So. I, mean, be I don't, th- I don't think you'll that. cancel games like they are in football because you, you're going to have alternate dates later on. Okay. Uh, now, if somebody tests positive, are they going to be out three weeks like football? Which seems kind yeah, of ridiculous. 21 days. That's ridiculous. Seems like a uh, lot, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, especially now the CDC is going down to 10 days. Uh, yeah. Wanting to. Yeah. Uh, my take on the game the other night was we didn't play very well even in the first half, and I know we can play better. We got good games out of Corbello and Georgie. Probably Georgie had his best game since his freshman year. That was probably the worst I've seen Kofi look defensively and offensively. He was chasing people when he had no business chasing people on defense. He's got no hands, and he's got very little offensive skills, and that that really concerns me. I I just don't think he's really, at this point, improved a whole lot this year. Well, it's a little early to tell. He looked pretty good in the first two games against non, uh, you know, non-talented opponents. But uh, you're right. I mean, he he's got limitations. We've seen them, this all along. He's got his hands are not the best. Uh, I wouldn't say he has no hands, but I would say they're not the best. For and, a guy and, that strong, it's, yeah, it's for, a little surprising. He, that's right. And uh, he he, he doesn't have a shot beyond a dunk. I think he leads the nation in dunks, doesn't he, Steve? <laughs> he might, might. I haven't looked. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I think he does. I think he, but I don't know if he has anything else, you know, other than a, a layup or two. I uh, noticed uh, I know Baylor's defense is a lot better and probably maybe one of the best we'll see all year. I was just a little disappointed that Iowa didn't try to take the game in his hand at the start of the game to set the tone. And really he didn't until pretty much too late. That was a little bit disappointing too. Well, if you're in there with uh, Williams and Fraser, what do you expect him to do? They're not uh, going to take the game over. I mean, I, I'd like to see more teamwork too. I, I'm worried about uh, you know this being too much of a of a one man team. But I think William, I think Miller will bounce back from you know he's missed ten straight threes the last two games and uh, he'll bounce back with his shooting. And I think when his shooting comes back, he'll he'll be a more prominent player. Uh, but uh, well, take, I, I just don't I don't see away. any. I I still don't see what everybody nationally sees in making this a top-five team. I don't understand why they did it in the first place, and I don't understand. Uh, I think there are well, 20 or 30 teams that, that could wind up being up there. I mean, Illinois is one of them, but uh, I don't see yep. that Illinois is just way beyond uh, 20 or 30 other teams around the country. We're seeing all over the place uh, upsets everywhere. Well, they were taking the three-point shot away from us, and that's why I'm thinking Iowa sometimes – maybe has to take it upon himself to do a little bit more, and then that opens up the three-point shot. They start collapsing on him. But well, that didn't happen. you got to remember, Illinois was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country last year. That's got to change, and I think it will. But it is a real, It is what we have to realize. It is a fact. Now, until they have done it, um, 
Now, obviously, they shot well in those early games, but I will tell you, they were shooting totally unguarded shots. Williams was shooting totally unguarded shots. We were getting, right. and, and Miller got some totally unguarded shots early. And now, when you're guarded, it's a different shot. Our biggest problem with our team, in my opinion, when it comes to offense, is we don't have any mid range game at all. It's either three points or dunks or layups. Well, all right. It's true of a lot of teams. It <laughs> is. It's true of college basketball in a way yeah. if you really dive into it. Alan, thanks for the call. Sure appreciate yeah. it. Uh, 916. We'll take our first time out. Be back with Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 920, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Illinois football today, the Illini and the Iowa Hawkeyes, 2.30 this afternoon at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. We're going to talk more about uh, that ball game with Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City who covers the Iowa Hawkeyes. Nice, pretty day for a drive from Iowa City to Champaign-Urbana. Scott, how you doing this morning? A little burg of uh, Monmouth, Illinois, and... Uh, not quite halfway there, but, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful drive for early December, no doubt about it. Well, let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, Iowa coming in as a just about a two-touchdown favorite over Illinois. The Illini, of course, didn't play last week, so the last two opponents, or the last opponent for both these teams has been uh, Nebraska. Kind of a different kind of games. Uh, Illinois played its best game of the season over in Lincoln a couple of weeks ago, and Nebraska Gave Iowa a pretty good game last Friday. Uh, how, how do you size that up? What does that mean for today? Anything at all? <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, I think you go the uh, the transitive property property theory. Uh, it you could also use Illinois, or Minnesota as, as one of those mm-hmm. types of scenarios where Illinois played its worst game and lost by what uh, twenty seven, and Iowa won by twenty eight. So I, you know, I I think what it shows was. You know, in each given week, some teams play better than than others. I think Nebraska played its worst game against Illinois, and I think it played its best game against Iowa. Um, it it kind of showcased its rivalry muscles a little bit, I think, against Iowa. And it played well defensively, which it just clearly did not against Illinois. But but that said, I, I think this game, um, the, the teams are built with similar tenets. I think they uh, Illinois looks like a, a clearly improved team, even over last year's bowl team, and. I, I expect this to be one of the most hard-hitting games in the Big Ten this year from, from what I can tell uh, the way both teams have played. Well, Scott, this is Lauren. Uh, tell, talk about the health of Iowa, the condition of the team, not only the, in terms of virus but in terms of uh, injuries that might crop up during the course of the season. How have they held up? You know what? They've held up really well. Um, it's been pretty amazing, actually. I mean, when the, the Big Ten season shut down on August 11th, uh, the majority of players kind of went, oh, well, and then they went out and did what college kids do, and, and a ton of them ended up with COVID in August and early September. When the Big Ten season came back, I think everybody decided to take it a lot more seriously. So they've had very few problems with it, you know, with, uh, with COVID at all, and, and really only a handful here and there with some sort of injuries. In fact, I would say Bono has been a bigger problem with his team than COVID. Uh, two of their starters have been have missed about three games apiece with mono. So uh, overall, this has been a pretty healthy team, and they've they've played that way. They've gotten better, and uh, you can see uh, that they haven't had really any absences. Now that said, 
by the time we get there, we could see three players out the way this season's going. But uh, as far as I know right now, everybody's uh, everybody's in pretty good health. Well, Scott, you don't seem to have any prob- any trouble uh, getting the records from Iowa. I know so Ohio State's not uh, giving out, and, and we can't get anything from Lovey Smith until game time as to who might have a uh, – uh, who might have the virus or who might be involved in, in tracing. Uh, I was just made up, uh, evidently, uh, 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 just has a habit of, of letting everything out, huh? Well, not really. What they do is every Monday they give you a, a, a release of how many people took tests, how many people came back with a positive, negative, that sort of thing. And, and I guess uh, more than anything, um, you look and you look at the depth chart. You look at who's out there, and then uh, you know the other part is who who is not playing but is suited up on the sideline. Uh, you know, I mean, we're not even in uniform necessarily, but in sweats or whatever. And it's they've had some injuries, uh, but they haven't had you know where you're like, okay, what happened to this left tackle? Why is he not out there? We haven't had any of those issues yet. So um, Iowa, and, and then of course anything that I get a lot of times is not really told above the ground so yeah they, but they've been they've been pretty good about it this year and still got a few weeks left and they've been lucky they haven't had any games canceled but as we know anything can happen at any given moment visiting with uh, scott Dockerman from the athletic in iowa city as we go down to the final couple of three weeks of the football season how do you think it's going to play out and this is not a fair question because nobody knows how anything is going to fare out uh, play out in 2020 but with Ohio State, the situation there, they're scheduled to play, and it looks like they will play today. Not sure about next week against uh, Michigan. How do you think the Big Ten will deal with all of that? I really hope the Big Ten doesn't do anything radical here and change the rules in the last week of the season to try to help Ohio State because I don't think that's fair. I think they've made some missteps along the way, and they have to acknowledge that. But if, uh, if they start – if they say change the schedule, if Michigan can't play, so then they say, well, you know what, Maryland, your game got lost against Ohio State. We're going to have you play them, and Rutgers, sorry, you're going to sit out. I think that would be grossly unfair. Uh, so I don't think you do anything like that radically, um, because and then the other part is, try, you know, what they did with Nebraska in week two, and the Wisconsin game got canceled. Nebraska wanted to play a one double A team. And the Big Ten told them no. So you can't change that policy either late in the year. So this is really a, a strange scenario. I don't think that they can do much, if anything. You know, now if, if another team or you know has COVID issues, say Minnesota can't play Nebraska, then maybe they look at saying, well, Ohio State and Nebraska play again or, or move a, a matchup here and there. But, but by and large, I think that's, uh, that's something they're just going to have to to live with but you know the one thing is though it's really two different veins here i mean one is if uh ohio state can't play michigan it'll be ineligible for the big 10 championship but it's still eligible for the playoffs and the playoffs it's all about the eye test for the buckeyes because the criteria really isn't there i mean if you're playing three or four games less than everybody else then it's really not even fair to say that you guys even measure up so what could happen is that maybe they, Ohio State, if it doesn't play Oak Michigan, would play the, say, the Wisconsin-Iowa winner. And that might actually look like a bigger, better game to the committee than playing Northwestern, even though Northwestern beat both those teams. And I'm presuming, say, that 
uh, you know, both teams went out, and they both have difficult games today. But if you have Ohio State versus Wisconsin, for instance, that may actually look like a bigger, better game and win than it would if they were playing Northwestern. So I think there's some things that could be to their advantage. But right now, I really, I'm really just hopeful that they get that game in because it is Ohio State-Michigan. It is kind of the story of the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we're all wondering what will happen and, and, and how the uh, – w- would the committee uh, na- in setting up the Final Four, would they really take an Ohio State team that didn't win the Big Ten championship? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's just uh, all talk now, and we'll, we'll see. I want to know more about Iowa's football team today. Uh, don't have the qu- – Stanley's gone. Uh, I don't see where – Iowa has uh, any all-star runners. I mean, they just seem like they have a, another powerhouse uh, team of linemen that seems to be tight ends and linemen. Isn't that's what they're built around, isn't it? Yeah, and their running game is better than it has mm-hmm. been in a long time. Tyler Goodson, right now, I think is second in the Big Ten in rushing, and he's been one of the better running backs they've had over the last ten years. But yeah, they've got two outstanding offensive linemen and Tyler Linderbaum at center, who I think is an All-American candidate, and Eric Jackson, who I think is, is uh, he's going to be in the NFL next year, and he's better than any tackle the Chicago Bears have right now, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think both of them are outstanding. And then, then they've got their other linemen are very good, too. So this is one of the better lines that they've had offensively. Uh, their running game has been – at a, operating at a much better level than it has um, in, in the last few years, for sure. And surprisingly, it's probably a little bit like Illinois. Iowa has some great wide receivers. They just don't have the quarterback to get the ball to them. I mean, in, in Illinois' case, it's been injuries and, and COVID and other things. In Iowa's case, it's just been inconsistency and struggles. And um, so they've kind of gone to waste a little bit. And that's really unfortunate. So, if Iowa had a, if, if it was Nate Stanley or, you know, somebody like Nate Stanley, I think Iowa probably would be sitting here six and zero today. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. And you know, I mean, their quarterback threw through uh, three interceptions against Northwestern and a twenty-one twenty loss. They're really struggling there, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if at some point, uh, Ferentz pulls the trigger and, and goes with a freshman and Alex Padilla. Uh- has there been any carryover from the the racial uh, disharmony of the summer? Any any do you see any any uh, uh, reaction to that from the summer? You know, it's actually been much better. I think this was a case where that something like this needed to happen. It, it it was kind of trending in this direction. It did, and it forced a lot of uncomfortable questions, conversations, uh, in some cases yelling matches that needed to take place. And once they all sat down and did it, that they all got on a better page. Uh, you know, the coaches, you know, certainly, you know, Ferentz listened more. He changed things. Uh, and most importantly, his former players, his current players, and his current players' parents all believed that he could do that that they had faith he could do that. If they didn't, this never would have worked, and this team would be in a really rough rough space if he was still the head coach. And I don't even think he would be the head coach if, if they didn't believe that he could do it. And, by you know, it's not perfect. Nothing is perfect. But I think overall 
they've actually come together and in talking to parents, you know, even now, I try to have those conversations weekly with whether it's parents or other people. How are things going? Anything I need to look for? What's, you know, and they all seem to be pretty positive and saying, hey, you know, I didn't talk to so-and-so, but now I do. Or I, And so it's really broken up a lot of those issues. And, and so it's been healthy for this program that desperately needed it. And then, uh, you know, losing Chris Doyle, he was terrific as a strength and conditioning coach, but he was a clear issue in this regard. And, and I was separated from him. And, um, you know, the, that's going to be a long-term issue. And, uh, you know, and we'll see on the field how it p- plays out. But I don't think they've missed a beat at all when it comes to what they look like strength and conditioning-wise. Uh, Scott, this leads me into two questions. Number one, is uh, Ferentz still the coach here in the next couple of years, number one? And number two, has uh, Iowa lost any recruits or any players as a result of this? Uh, Ferentz, I, I put him kind of on the year-to-year track now. Okay. Uh, he's 65 years old. He's been there 22 years. So, you know, he could decide, you know what, I've had enough and I'm going to hang it up. Or I, I don't think this is his last year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if next year is his last year. Let's just put it that way. As far as recruiting goes, um, they've lost one recruit because of that. Um, and th- Actually, they kept him through a lot of the problems. They had 13 former players sue Kirk Ferentz and the University of Iowa in, um, in October, which I – you know, I put a lot of credence into the situation in June. I put less credence in this one because there are players that, frankly, just didn't make the NFL, and they're looking, I, I think, at uh, looking for answers under suing people instead. Uh, that that decided ultimately to leave. He was from Tampa, Florida. It's probably probably mutually beneficial that he didn't come just because, you know, I could see it in, in another year he'd transfer anyway. So they've only lost one. That's probably a good sign for them. The question for me is going forward is 2022 and beyond. How many recruits have heard about this issue? How many have questions and concerns? And then finally, they haven't had a lot of face-to-face time or any face-to-face time since March uh, because of all the the COVID issues. So um, they're behind, and that's going to be an issue, I think, going forward is they're going to have to address this each and every time they meet somebody face-to-face and some people probably will not be willing to listen, and that's going to be understandable. Hey, Scott, we appreciate your time. Looks like we've got a good day for a Big Ten football game here this afternoon, and uh, drive safely the rest of the way, and we'll catch up with you over at Memorial Stadium. All right. Thanks so much for having me, and it looks a lot nicer in December than it does sometimes in in November. That's right. We're lucky to have the weather we have, aren't we? Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks again. Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City with us at 934. We'll take a timeout, talk some more Illinois football. When we come back, the phone line is open if you'd like to join us, 2356-9397. Back after this. 937, Illini I Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock today. We'll be back with you early this afternoon in our pregame coverage heading into Illinois football against the Iowa Hawkeyes at 235 at the Memorial Stadium. We're going to talk some more football. Martin O'Donnell is with us. Of course, the color analyst on our Busey Bank Fighting Illini Sports Network across the great state of Illinois. Martin, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Steve? Good. Ready to get back to some football after the uh, the late cancellation last week, the 9.30 Friday night call that uh, we all got that the Ohio State game is uh, was going to be not played. 
it's been a to say it's been a weird season is uh, quite an understatement. But it, that seems like forever ago, and it was just a week ago. Yeah, it really does. You know, it kind of doesn't even feel like we're still in the middle of football season. But you know, I'm I'm just really looking forward to you know being able to go to Memorial Stadium and uh, and call the game with with Brian and you and, and have Ed in there and, and Mark Schultz, our spotter, as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to it and should be a pretty good game today uh, against the Hawkeyes. How does Iowa keep doing what they're doing? Uh, their defense is been really good it's number three in the big 10 in total defense they they just hold everybody under 25 points at least the last 20 opponents is it the system or they look for a special kind of guy to fit that system how do you see that in watching Iowa over the years yeah I think it's both I mean I think you have you really have an identity there in terms of the Iowa Hawkeye program in terms of what they look for and then they, they do a great job of recruiting too and a lot of that has to do with Kirk Ferentz it has to do with his assistant coaches you know, I think there, there's a lot to be said for stability in the assistant coaching staff there. Uh, they have a lot of guys there that uh, that have been there for quite some time. And, and then, you know, I think once you really get that down, um, you know, and then it starts to lead to some success, and then you just kind of just kind of keep reloading. And, you know, they do a great job of identifying talent from small towns, not just in Iowa, uh, but around the Midwest. And then they'll go and, um, you know, get some speed from other states. And, you know, they've done a, a good job over the years of coming into Illinois and getting some of the best. Uh, are some of the best prep players, you know, from here, um, you know, every now and then. So it, it's just a, it's been a winning formula for them. But, you know, at the same time, they haven't stayed static. I mean, Iowa does continue to evolve. They kind of tweak their formula a little bit, um, you know, over time as they need to, to to remain competitive. And, you know, it's just a great job that Kirk Ferentz and, uh, has done with that program. Well, Illinois still leads this series by three games. This will be the 76th meeting, but Iowa's won nine of the last ten, so they're they're coming on. Where, do, as a former player, a guy who played against Iowa, where does Iowa rank on the Martin O'Donnell hate list in the Big Ten? <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody else tied you know, for first I, uh, or last, or how does that work? You know, I I think uh, you know you're catching me in the morning when I'm feeling good, so I might, <laughs> I might feel different and saltier as the day goes on, but. You know, I, I always enjoyed – I think the border games always wind up having a little bit more pep to them. Um, you know, well, certainly a team within, you know, the borders of the state of Illinois being, you know, Northwestern's up there. But, you know, I always thought, it, you know, we always have competitive games against Indiana. Um, you know, Iowa certainly fits that bill, you know, playing against Missouri. You know, I think those ones – you know, Wisconsin, not quite as much. But, I, you know, I always enjoyed playing Iowa just because you know, of their style. I mean, they were – you know, they're, they're going to play tough physical football, you know, in, in terms of the line. You know, their defensive linemen were going to play tight techniques on you. Um, they weren't going to do anything fancy, and they were just going to say, hey, we think we're tougher than you, and we'll beat you guys man-on-man. Uh, man. And, and so I always really enjoyed that. I always look forward to the Iowa game. And, uh, you know, I think I played some of my better games uh, against the University of Iowa just simply because uh, you knew what you were going to be in for that week, and, you know, there wasn't anything fancy, and it was just kind of you just put the pads on and go. Well, Martin, uh, I'll ask you a question that uh, probably uh, I know the answer to already, but if you had had a chance to play beyond your senior year, you had a free year, would you have come back and played another year of college football? we got 33 seniors, by the way, who will be analyzing this. Not all of them will be wanted back, but, but some of them could come back. And What's your whole reaction to that, that idea? It's really tough. Um you know, I, I can I can see it both ways. You know, as I sit here today, I would probably say I, I probably would have been done. You know, and that's because you know I might have had the opportunity to play some level of football. Uh, you know, again, and, and I I chose not to. 
Um, but again, that says I sit here today, but I, I think if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, now, wait a minute, you know, do I, I think a lot of it is, I'll put it this way. I think a lot of it's going to come. I don't think, yes, it is an individual decision, but I think you're also going to have pockets of guys on teams across the country make decisions where they say, Hey, you know, cause what's going to happen is you have the senior class. They're going to, you know, they're going to go look at the other guys and say, well, are, what are you going to do? Are you going to come back? Um, you know, should we come back together? And I, it's, it's really tough. I think it's, I can sit here today and say, yeah, I'd probably be done. But at the same time, um, you know, walking away from another year of football at the University of Illinois uh, would not have been an easy decision. And certainly, you know, my last season, you know, I thought we were going to be really, really good in 2008, right? So um, I don't know how that really factors in. It's kind of interesting that, you know, I might have come back just because, you know, my last, you know, I got done in 2007, 2008, we were entering the Great Recession. So not exactly a great job market, you know, not that dissimilar from, from what it is today. And if guys can say, hey, I can play another year of football, uh, be on scholarship, continue my education, you know, I, I think that, that has a lot of appeal to it. Well, you know, football is different from all the other sports, in my opinion, in that it's more dangerous, it's more physical. I mean, if, I had, if you had a chance to play another year of basketball or another year of volleyball or another year of baseball, wouldn't I can see guys coming back because it's so much fun to play, but football's I don't know, it seems to me to be more work and more – there's more risk involved. I am I wrong there? Do, do, do you see a difference between football and all the others? You know, and I didn't. I didn't play. You know, obviously the other sports at a at a Division One level. I, I think I, I think the aspect of it that, that people underestimate is it, it really is a grind. I mean, it's a grind, 365 days a year. It's not really just in season and then you can get away. I mean, you're basically in town on campus working out year round, and that's tough. And um, you know, that, that requires a lot of dedication. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there is, there is obviously a lot of risk with, with football. But, you know, there, there's risk in soccer. I mean, there's risk in baseball and softball. Now it's different because you're not running into each other. Um, but at the same time, I think everybody that plays football already accepts that risk. Um, so it's not really a new thing that's brought to the table from my perspective. Uh, there are, as I said, 33 seniors. I, I, they're counting some yeah. play, walk-ons. They're counting some extra players there. But uh, do you see guys like Peters has already graduated twice. He graduated from Michigan. Now he's graduated from Illinois. You see him yeah. coming back. Do you see Adams and Hobbs coming back on defense? The Lyman, Kramer, Lowe, Pazczewski. I'm not going to go through them all. But uh, yeah. I wonder about them, and, and I certainly wonder about Jake Hansen. Would they come back? Yeah. I, I, your guess is as good as mine, Lauren. You know, I mean, I think that it's such a unique situation. You know, it, it's such a unique time that we're in right now. I I think it's a cop out. You're going to have some guys that do and some guys that don't, um, you know, and it's, I think some of it's going to depend on if guys want to play at the next level, what they hear from there. Um, but, you know, if you have other guys who haven't played as much football and, you know, they say, Hey, maybe I can get some you know additional snaps on tape and it might have to do with if guys redshirted or not, you know, again, it's mm -hmm. a big ask of having somebody play six years um, of collegiate football. I mean, that, that's just a lot of time and, and a big chunk of your life. Uh, but if you have somebody who's maybe a fourth-year senior, you know, maybe it's more appealing to them because they say, well, you know, I, I kind of got, you know, maybe they didn't play that much as a freshman, but they burned their red shirt. And they say, okay, well, now I can get an extra season and, and get a lot more snaps on and, and develop myself. But it, it's just going to be such an individual decision. But I do think, you know, especially knowing, you know, the camaraderie that comes with football, I think across the country you're going to see clusters of, of guys kind of make decisions. 
Um, and I think because obviously everybody, they're all going to be talking to each other. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and I think if you, if you get a group together that says, hey, let's come back and we think we can do something special next year, assuming that the world is normalized and we're going to play football again, um, I think there's going to be programs across the country that do that. You'll see it. But it, I have no idea what to expect, Warren. I mean, you're the one with more experience than anybody. You tell me. What <laughs> well, I, I, I think that uh, it'll happen a lot more frequently in other sports than it will in football. But, but I think that yeah. uh, there'll be some of these players. Obviously, some of these players will certainly be coming back. I just don't know which ones. I think that which players do you think have the best chance to make it in the pros? Would you would you consider Hanson a pro? Would you consider uh, Kramer? And, and obviously, although he's not a senior, well, he's a senior in, in, in school, but he's a junior in eligibility. He's green at, at guard, and he looks to me like a cinch uh, a draft pick. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think all those guys will have opportunities. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, what it's going to come down to is Again, I didn't even explore it, so I don't know specifically what the process looks like in terms of getting feedback, you know, on your draft status. But you know, ultimately, guys are going to have to make decisions: do I roll the dice and go to the NFL, or do I, you know, try to come back and play? You know, I think I think Doug Kramer's had a good year. He got a couple games, you know, taken away from him. You know, same thing with Brandon Peters. I mean, we saw what Brandon Peters can be um, when he's, you know, playing his game against Nebraska, and, and it's fun to watch. Um, you know, Josh Emmett or Bebe. You know, Bebe had a great year. You know, last year, and we saw that again against Nebraska, but he still hasn't played a ton at college. Um, I don't know. You know, I, Jake Hansen, I think Jake Hansen is severely underrated on a national basis. So I, I think Jake is an NFL guy. You know, again, whether it behooves them to spend another year in college and, um, and play more or uh, to go to the NFL, that, that's going to be their decision. But, you know, you're right, Lauren, in that football is different in that you have, uh, you know, you have injury risk in any sport, but there's obviously a high injury risk in football just with, with the nature of it. So, you know, guys are going to have to kind of take all that into account. Um, but at the same time, if you have guys who say, hey, I'm not going to go to the NFL, that's not my goal. You know, I think if you have guys who are just enjoying playing college football and they're contributors, I think those are guys that are more prone to come back and play another season just because they want to have one last year of football. And I think you have, we focus on NFL guys, but you have a lot of guys, there's, you know, the vast majority of people never play football beyond college. And so those people, you know, who, you know, obviously know which category they fit in, you know, if they can say, Hey, I can play another year of football and, and get some more education. That, that's a pretty good deal. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys um, come back just because, you know, footballs mean so much to them and they've, they've given so much to it. And, you know, to have another 12 games, another chance at a bowl game, you know, that's not a bad deal. Looking back to your senior year, at what point, did you decide consciously that the NFL was not your goal? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really make any firm decision until um, I, I just kind of kept pushing everything off until after the season, which uh, I think I'm, I'm somewhat of a procrastinator by nature. And, you know, I realized when I was looking for a job afterwards that I probably should have been doing more the whole time, just in terms of future planning, you know, writ large. But, you know, I just kind of told myself I, I was just trying to get through the regular season, trying to get through, um, you know, bowl prep and, and play the Rose Bowl game and then kind of see how I felt then. So I, I didn't really make a definitive um, decision until until after that game um, to just see if I, if I thought there, I had more in me or if I was done. So um, that was just kind of how I approached it. Good stuff, Martin. We'll see you uh, this afternoon at Memorial Stadium for some Big Ten football. Thank you. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Martin O'Donnell with us at 949. We'll take a break. Open line coming up, 356-9397. 
after this on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 9.52, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11. We do have the phone line open, 356-9397. As we move towards the top of the hour, let's go back to the phones. And uh, Carl is with us. Good morning, Carl. Yeah, guys, I realize this is very trivial, but uh, today is the first of three straight games where Illinois will play the latest game in the history of of regular season games. Not trivial. Good point. Interesting point. Yeah, and we're as we mentioned before, we're very fortunate. I was concerned a month or two ago that the weather would be snow on the ground and and uh, dry, you know heavy breezes and just be uh, miserable out there. But it's not going to be miserable today. If Steve Kelly be playing yeah, golf it's today, be a lot better than the Fresno State game was in yeah. I believe two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. We're pretty. That lucky. was horrible. Pretty lucky. Yep, and today would have been the uh, Big Ten championship game. <laughs> by the original schedule way back when. What else are you thinking about? Yeah, How do you think this game's going to go, Carl? I, I I don't know. This season, you don't know what's going to happen. But I think it's going to be a closer game than some of the Iowa games have been in the past. Well, hopefully it's closer than the one two years ago here. That was 63 yeah, to nothing. Well, yeah, well, let's not bring that up too often. But... <laughs> Okay, Carl, appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Okay, bye. Bye now. 356-9397 is the number. Last year's game was 19-10 to in Iowa City. Illinois had some turnover issues. Brandon Peters got that hit late in the ball game that was not called a targeting, but... Uh, was certainly a target. Knocked cl- him out. <laughs> clearly was, yeah. Back to the phones and Jim in Peoria. Hey, Jim question regarding this extra year of eligibility you were mm-hmm. just talking about yeah can can do they have to stay at the school they're at now or can they also transfer they can transfer they can definitely they can transfer. transfer okay and and I, I, let me just say that the rule is going to be when it comes in the rule is going to be first time transfers so let's take somebody like hightower or or Bebe, or you know, or Peters, they could play somewhere else, but okay. uh, they would have to go through a, a waiver process because they would not be a first-time transfer. Because that would be their third school. Yeah, right. But uh, the the, uh, the the NCA has prepared for this by uh, basically eliminating the 85 player uh, limit. They're going to allow these players to come back. And and be over the limit of 85 because you've got freshmen coming in, which will take you, you know, you're going to have five classes of players now as opposed to four. Now, this is just a one year thing, I think. I mean, the 85 will be a one year thing because this isn't going to happen again where seniors will get an extra year. This is this is a one year thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious if they could. So not only obviously Illinois. Uh, would have seniors that could go somewhere else, but they could also go out and find seniors to bring in. Oh, absolutely! I mean, yeah. Illinois is going to yeah. be looking into the trend. They're only going to—they're only going to sign 15 players uh, in two weeks. Let's see, that's December what 16th, Steve? December 16th is the signing day through the 18th of December, uh, and so they—they intend to sign about 15 players on that date. And uh, then they're going to go into the transfer market. They brought in about 10 transfers 
this past year, and that doesn't include Bebe and Peters. This is this is guy. This is just transfers for this year only. Those, those are those were two years ago. So uh, the transfer market is going to be oh, it's just going to be enormous. It's going to be enormous for for Underwood. It's going to be enormous for Lovey. I mean, everybody's going to be going out for transfers, and and you and, and the, the you you can see what happens with a school like Baylor in basketball. Three or four of those key players for them are transfers coming from Asheville and different places and, and, and turn out to be terrific basketball players. And the same thing can be in, true in football. I mean, Peters could come back here and have a – I think he'd have another – he could have a really good year next year if he has a full year. I, mean, I think right. it's just uh, – it's, it's changed the whole world and it isn't about players being loyal to one school anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, true. Yeah, kind of like the pros. Yeah. Years ago they were, but not anymore. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Yep, Jim, thank you. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric. Hey, morning, guys. Um, you know, when I was watching Michigan State-Duke the other day at, a, at an empty camera, and it got me to thinking that uh, that place has got no life without those students and that team. I think half of their mystique is having that arena filled with people right on top of you. You know, uh, Duke, I mean, maybe not half, but, you know, a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. But um, it also got me thinking, you know, it doesn't matter where you play the games anymore. I mean, Illinois, in all in all reality, should play a game at Kenny Jim this year to throw back to the old uh, the old days. I mean, what difference <laughs> would it make? Kenny Jim. I mean, Jim. is that correct or not? With the, correct. What kind of baskets do they have at Kenny? <laughs> I've been in there in a while. I, I don't know. Peach baskets? <laughs> it, is, it is regulation, though. I mean, doesn't Uni High play there? I. Is that right? They Pretty sure. They always did, yeah. I haven't been to a uni high game lately either. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just thinking because of what difference does it make where you play anymore? I mean, you don't need the seats, so it's just well, a big cavern. The, only, the difference is you don't have to travel. I mean, if you play at yeah. home, there's the big. But I, I see Eric's point. I, I saw oh, yeah. the difference in the Ohio game here. I saw the difference in the um, Purdue game last night. Valparaiso led most of that game at Mackey Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State uh, played at home against uh, Detroit Mercy, and uh, they handed them a pretty good game. Yeah. So I, I think there's something to that, no doubt. Uh, okay. And, and the last thing I was going to ask, um, uh, you guys' opinion on on playing the tournament over in Indy, all different arenas there. I would imagine Hinkle Fieldhouse will get used, you know, oh, like, yeah. uh, throw back to Hoosiers and – I'm like, well, you would never play in the dome, would you? <laughs> you got eighty thousand empty seats, a <laughs> horrible background as it is, right? Well, That's they're going to be looking for a lot of locations for that first round, first and second round. Just, no to, doubt. just think, you got thirty-four games, sixty-eight teams, right? Of course, that will. I suppose they'll they'll have those entry games. Those those four teams will, you know, beyond the sixty-four. I suppose they'll play those. Yeah. Well, you play double headers. You can play those ahead of time. Each place, and yeah, oh yeah, Absolutely. double headers and games on Sunday and games right. on. Who who knows how many different days they'll play. And uh, that Baylor Gonzaga game this afternoon ought to be interesting over in India. I'm assuming both teams just have been there all week. They just they hung around uh, after they played their earlier games this week. That'd yeah. be the safest thing to do, I guess. If there is a safest thing to do, <laughs> stay in quarantine, no right? No doubt, but uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, to the tournament. And I think that's a really cool concept. Maybe even we'll have a fan or two there by by the time March comes around. Although I kind of doubt it. Never know. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. All right. Take it easy. You bet. WDWS Champaign Urbana, ten o'clock. 
We'll take a time out here at the top of the hour and be back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Heading towards 11 o'clock, fighting Illini football coverage this afternoon. Pre-game uh, coverage begins at 12.30. That game's scheduled to kick at 2.35 from Memorial Stadium. The Illini and the Iowa Hawkeyes, we talked about that quite a bit in the first hour. We've been talking about college basketball here of late. And we're going to bring in Trent Meacham to join the conversation. How are you doing this morning, Trent? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Steve and Lauren. No problem. We're going to start out with uh, something we talked about right before the break at the top of the hour about players with an opportunity to come back. Take me back in your career. You uh, had a nice career playing uh, in Europe and overseas, as that turned out. But if you were a senior in these times and you would have had a chance to play another year at Illinois, any idea what you might have thought about that? Wow. Wow. You know, that's a great question and, and one that I never really thought of. Uh, I think it's different for every individual. You know, there's there's some players that they have that chance at the NBA, and let's get to it as soon as possible. You know, as a as an athlete, and especially basketball, you have such a small window to capitalize on in terms of earning money to play and being a professional that you want to take advantage of that. So now, but then if you can also return to school and, and maybe pursue another degree finish them, you know, do a master's, have a, a great experience of being a collegiate athlete at a school like the University of Illinois, you know, that's, that's a real tough one. And it would just be different for every individual. For myself, you know, I was in school for five years and I would have loved to play it again. I can remember being in Austria my first year as a pro and watching Illinois' first game that season and thinking like, I'm supposed to be out there. What, where am I in the world? And <laughs> I'm in this small, dingy apartment and we, no, I don't know anybody, and I, I want to go back. But uh, for me, I think it was time after five years in school, you know, having that redshirt season to move on. So, again, everybody's different. Uh, I think those that can play, especially in the NBA, you want to get that clock started as soon as possible uh, in most instances. And for others that, that have an opportunity to, to progress as professionals, I think that can be a great chance, too. You have such a small small window to do so, and, uh, but again, I would say it's it's indiv- it's case by case scenario. But it'll be interesting, kind of what happens with both, you know, Demonte Williams, Trent Frazier, and, and others around the country. Yeah, there's already been talk that uh, Trent Frazier and Demonte will want to come back. I've heard that at least. I don't know if it's, if it's accurate, but haven't heard it from them. But um, I think it's different for for people in different eras. I think back to World War II when I was growing up and. All those players, Andy Phillip and Dyke Edelman and, and and all the rest of them came back and played until they were in their mid-20s or, or beyond. I mean, you know, because they were and, – and for me, uh, to play an extra year, if I had been good enough, didn't wouldn't have never worked because I had to go to the Army for two years. <laughs> so, you know, they're just – we all face different things coming out of school. And, and uh, uh, I just – I don't know. Uh, I, I think that if I had a chance to play another year, I'd play – 
whatever sport. I know, I know, Steve, you'd play golf another year, wouldn't you? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, unless I was good enough to, to go pro. Oh, know, yeah, if yeah, I knew I, if I was borderline, yeah, I'd go back to school in a minute and then try the, uh, the pro scene well, later. You know, nowadays, if you're in your late 20s, definitely early 30s, you're an older professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a young man's game. Yep. And you, you can't go wrong by returning to a school like the U of I and having another year of experience, uh, both educationally and also on the, on the basketball court or football field or whatever, whatever sport that may be. But uh, I will say for if, if you want to be a pro, you want to get that clock started in terms of earning money, you, you, you know, you're probably better off doing that sooner than later if you have real aspirations to progress as a pro. Now, sometimes it benefits to come back for a year and, uh, tighten your game up maybe in some ways. But uh, for, for most, I'd say go be a pro. Uh, you're going to ramp up your learning experience and also maximize the earnings, which is a, a finite, a very small period of time in the big scheme of things. Visiting with Trent Meacham, you mentioned sitting in Austria wondering where in the world you were. Where else in the world did you end up on that, uh, on that basketball professional circuit? Well, you know, I wasn't as much of a globetrotter as some guys who are Asia, South America, Middle East, you know, Corey Bradford, you should, you should speak to him. But I, was, I, I lived predominantly in Western Europe, so I spent a year in Austria, a year in Germany, uh, about half of, half of the season in Italy, in Milan, Italy, and then most of my time in France and was fortunate I was in Paris, France for about three years, Lyon, France, another really nice city for another two-plus years. Uh, so it was a great experience. Now, I played all over Europe uh, in different competitions and uh, just a tremendous experience. Uh, you know, I always want to go back and, and play and, and visit those places. But, uh, you know, something I just value very much and then being able to do so uh, with my wife and even having our twins in France was, uh, you know, very special for myself, something I never dreamed of doing. Okay, now, Trent, it's time for the agonizing reappraisal of the Illinois basketball team. Listen, let's hear it after the last two games. It's taken, you know, a little of the shine off. Ohio was a tough win, and then the loss to Baylor. Yeah, Lord, we talked a little bit after those first two games, which were just so poor, you know, opponents that it was tough to get a read on this team. And then Ohio was played with great purpose, and I thought with more energy. And I would say the same with Baylor. The, the biggest thing that I saw is Baylor was tougher. They were more aggressive. They got us on our heels. I thought defensively how they switched, how uh, their active hands really disrupted us. You know, I, I haven't seen a team bottle up I.O. quite like they did. And I think that'll be good for this team's progression, this Illini team's progression. But, man, I, I thought they really – they took the game to us. I thought they were quicker to the ball. That got Kofi into foul troubles. Their bigs were had great energy, great enthusiasm. And if, if you're winning that game in terms of just strictly the energy – and the effort that you give, which I thought, you know, we fought, but Baylor was a bit quicker, a bit more uh, hungry, I would say. You know, it's tough to win against quality opponents. So I think early in this season, that was good for us to, to experience, to kind of get hit in the mouth a little bit. Okay, bring us back to earth, because this team is very talented, but it's a long season. We're going to need to figure out different ways to win, how to, to handle some of that adversity, uh, I thought our guards were maybe pressing a little bit to show that we're at that level or we're better than, than their guards. And Kofi was never able to get the ball and get in a rhythm. 
there were some bright spots, though, Lauren. I'd say, you know, obviously Georgie there in the first half uh, looked really good. I thought he looked poised. Uh, I thought I would have liked to see us even feed him more. And then Coleman Hawkins and Andre Corbella were both uh, two bright spots off the bench as well. So, uh, for me, that was a good experience for this team, and hopefully we learn from it, uh, I think, both tactically but also just from an effort standpoint. And as far as Corbello's concerned, do you see more minutes for him? It'll be interesting. You know, Lauren, I think he's going to have a little bit of an up-and-down year because, and I've said this before, I'm super high on his uh, potential, and I think we're going to see flashes of him this year. But because he's not going to have the ball in his hands a significant amount of times, I, I don't think we'll see the full Andre Corbello package. But he does bring something different. He's a guy that I think he, he's very crafty. He's very clever. Uh, he's got great vision. We saw that against Baylor. He gives us a different look in terms of a primary ball handler, how he reads the floor. So uh, I think he's going to have a good freshman season. I think I'm just so high on him. I, I think next season is when Illini fans are going to see, wow, this guy is a special player. Cause I think he is a special player. And I think this year is just going to, we're going to see flashes of it, but, you know, if he keeps, you know, if he shows what he did against Baylor, I, I think Underwood is going to continue to give him a bit, a bit of a longer leash. Uh, but there's going to be moments where you're like, that was a freshman play, uh, no question. So I'm excited just to see his progression. The Illini were scheduled until yesterday to play a game tonight against uh, Tennessee Martin at the State Farm Center. Kind of a good news, bad news situation. Uh, uh, bad news in the fact he would have wouldn't have minded another game. Uh, good news is you take the risk of the uh, virus out of it, and you get a little more time to prepare for uh, Duke. Is that kind of how the way you look at it? Uh, yeah, as a fan, I was hoping to see the game play. And, sure. You know, I don't know the Champagne kid, Jonte Coleman, but I'm sure that was a bummer for you know local kid not to get to play his hometown fighting Illini. Um, so either way, you got to roll with it, and that's going to be this whole season. You're going to have to, okay, whatever happens, adversity, uh, a postponement in the game or cancellation. Okay, how can we use this? Now do we have more time to, to practice and maybe work through some of the things that we need to improve on? Or if we're able to have, throw in another game, or they talk about another Big Ten game on the Big Ten schedule, hey, here's another opportunity to play against a quality opponent. Uh, so whatever happens this season, I think you just got to turn it for the good, for, for your good and, and go with it. And I think this season is going to have more of these, unfortunately. Hopefully we can progress with as few as possible. Hopefully, you know, most importantly, players, coaches, everyone stays healthy. Um, I'm looking forward to games being played. So hopefully this, this uh, you know, we can move forward and, and, and very excited about this game against Duke next week. I think a lot of people kind of upset about the Baylor game. And uh, I think it, it was a good barometer of where Illinois might be now. And, you know, maybe they weren't the best uh, in the top five in the country, but they're certainly in the top 10 or 12, I would say. And a good uh, coaching opportunity for Brad Underwood and his staff. Yeah, you want to play against the best. You want to compete against the best. Uh, we got a, a good look at a very good team. And this Baylor team, you know, they were number one in the country last year. This team is hungry. You know, I think this Illinois team is hungry, but now we went up against a team that's every bit, if not more, hungry. You know, they were tasting you know, a Final Four run last season that ended abruptly. So you can bet all their players are really excited for this season and, and want to make the most of it. And hopefully, you know, we can we can learn a lesson from that. Like I said, the energy in that. But also, okay, how, how do we maybe make adjustments throughout the course of the game? Okay, they're switching everything. We haven't seen that this year. 
Now, how do we make plays? How do we move the ball? I don't think we, we moved the ball very well. We didn't get the ball inside where we did have a size advantage. And, again, their energy, uh, I think, overwhelmed us a bit and put us on our heels. So, you know Duke's going to come out with a great effort next week, especially after losing at home to Michigan State. They didn't look great. Uh, but Duke teams, they're known to play very hard. And I think we're going to have to be ready for that. Hopefully we can match that. And if we do, I think we have a good chance. And that's just going to be another great barometer early in the season for, for this team. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Duke, I think, at Kentucky. I think these freshmen, uh, they just all hit bumps early in, in their uh, seasons as they start out. I can see more of that happening. Uh, I, but as the season wears along, um, I would think that uh, these teams will get a lot better when they have young players on them, whereas it's so different for the, the teams at the top with uh, Brig- – with uh, B- BYU, or not BYU, but uh, Gonzaga, and and also uh, Baylor, they, they're so they're so experienced. There's such an advantage in that experience. Experience really helps you early on, I think, uh, just because you've been through some of those battles before. You know, even think of an Adam Miller. He comes out and has 28 points his first game, and it's it's so easy. But you know, he's going to be brought back to earth a little bit. It's just not going to be that easy. But you would expect. You know, Adam Miller, Coleman Hawkins, these players, you mentioned some of these other teams with the young, talented players. They're going to improve, no question, as the season goes on. Now, I do think, Lauren, once you get into the, uh, the tournament in March, I think experience starts to, to weigh a bit more heavily there as well, at least you needing some experience on those rosters. So uh, I think it does ebb and flow a little bit, uh, but there's no question these young players – just mature so much throughout the course of their freshman or sophomore seasons. Hey, Trent, we appreciate your time. Always good to talk basketball with you, and we'll do it again soon. Always good to be on. appreciate it. You guys have a great day. You too. Trent Meacham with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Speaking of the young guys, the freshman class for Brad Underwood, Andre Corbello, Adam Miller, Coleman Hawkins, Brad Underwood. Uh, talk a little bit about those guys yesterday. Offensively, they're both gifted. You know, I thought the one thing Curbelo did the other night was he had an unbelievable ability to get the ball in the paint. He, he plays north and south. He put fouls on guys. He was the one guy that, you know, didn't over dribble. He got, um, he got Kofi a couple easy baskets. His uncanniness on the offensive end is, is very unique. And then Ace got the ultimate respect. I mean, he's not getting a lot of clean looks or easy look. You know, he comes in with a reputation as, as a shooter and a guy that's that's uh, can make hard shots. And, and he's gaining that respect, and, and he's earned that respect. And uh, he saw that firsthand in the, in the Baylor game. I mean, there was, there was no clean looks. Everything was contested. They both have ability on the defensive side, and it's just learning terminology and, you know, and seeing – that opponent across from you who's a really good player and knows what he wants to do, it's just growing with that process. And, and believe me, those, those, those guys and Coleman Hawkins as well, because I was extremely impressed with Coleman in the, in the Baylor game. You know, they're, they're, IQ, they're high IQ guys, so they'll get it sooner than most, uh, and they've got a lot of pride. Brad Underwood talking about the, the young guys on his basketball team. There were some uh, Big Ten games Last night, Maryland beat St. Peter's 90-57. to Michigan State ranked eighth this week over uh, Detroit Mercy, 83-76. Fun game to watch was the number four Wisconsin game playing in Milwaukee against Marquette, and Marquette winning it on a last-second tip-in, 67-65. It was an outstanding basketball game. And yep. speaking of transfers, 
DJ Carton from Ohio State was one of the stars for Marquette last night. Yeah, and uh, we just got a, a note from Derek Burson that he saw Minnesota play, and four of their top players are transfers. It's it's going on. It's such a transfer world. I I think of the NBA in the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks. How do you keep track of where all the players are? Right. I mean, just have to wait till it all settles down and then look at the lineups and say, oh, oh, Westbrook's over here. And, you know, <laughs> what, what's going on? And no, nobody, I don't, I, it's all about the individual. It's, it's, it's all about the individual in college. It's all about the individual in, in pro. And uh, in college, it's playing time. If you're getting playing time, if you're not getting playing time, you're going to go somewhere where you will. If you're in the pros, you're going to go where you can get the most money. You mentioned Minnesota. They won their game against North Dakota last night, 76-67, and Purdue beat Valparaiso over in West Lafayette, 68-61. 10-20 is the time. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Illini Pella Lifestyle Series. If you're in the market for some windows and doors, check out the Lifestyle Series at the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. The Lifestyle Series of Windows and Doors are designed to last for many, many years. They're finished with the exclusive EnduraGuard wood protection and EnduraClad aluminum clad exterior. Pella Lifestyle Windows incorporate everything you love about wood, the beauty, durability, and style flexibility. And with the Lifestyle Windows, you can customize a product that's just right for your home. Plus, Lifestyle Windows and Patio Doors are backed by one of the best limited lifetime warranties in the industry for wood windows and patio doors. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Say hi to Mike Mary and all the guys there. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Check them out online at PellaOfChampaign.com. Phone line is open. We're back with more after this. 1023, a lot of Saturday sports talk heading towards 11 o'clock. Both Lauren and I will be back with you uh, this afternoon as we get the pregame coverage underway for the football game this afternoon, Illinois and Iowa at Memorial Stadium. There were four Big Ten teams scheduled for basketball action today, but three of those, including the Illinois game against UT Martin, have been canceled for similar reasons with the opponents having some issues with the COVID testing. Ohio State, ranked 23rd this week, was scheduled to play Alabama A&M. That's canceled. And Maryland was scheduled to play James Madison. That will not happen. Right now, the only Big Ten team scheduled at this point for a game this afternoon is Northwestern taking on Chicago State. Uh, you, like everyone else in sports, including me, are always listing the ranking of a team and when I hear the ranking of a basketball team in <laughs> December, I'm thinking, why can't we wait? And, of course, you can't. It's too much talk. It's too you much and I excitement. have this conversation every yeah. year about this time. Yeah, I mean, they should, we should wait until at least halfway through the season, then rank them. Then you have some idea. But, uh, you know, uh, Virginia is the last national champion that we've had, right? Yeah. And they've lost two games already <laughs> to teams that shouldn't beat them. But uh, I'm just throwing that out as an example because – I, I just don't uh, – the rankings are just really, really, truly meaningless, although I can't disagree with those who say that Gonzaga and Baylor deserve to be up there. They look awfully good. But they do. they've also shown that they're good this year already, too, by, by winning big games. Who you got in that game today? 
Baylor and well, Gonzaga. Well, I thought, I, thought I, I, do, I think it's a pretty much of a toss-up. I think I think that uh, BY uh, that why do I keep wanting to say BYU? I think Gonzaga has got the uh, the edge maybe a little bit, but uh, they're going to run into a defense that they haven't played before. I mean, I don't know that anybody plays better defense than Baylor. I think Gonzaga's stronger inside. Yeah. Although they've got a. But they're taller. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 they've got tall, agile players. Uh, Baylor's got a couple tall players, but they're not agile. Right. They're they're chunky big men from Congo and and you know from the I don't I don't know when we had any players from the Congo, but we got one in there, (laughs) and I can't pronounce his last name, so don't ask me. Hachu. Bless you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but I've got some stats I want to throw. I'm going to switch you back to football. Yep. Get, get ready for these stats. Okay. Since 2001-2002, when Illinois and Iowa did not play, Illinois has won one game from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa has won 11. In the 11 games that Iowa has won, Illinois' average points in those games is 9.4. Illinois is averaging nine and a half points per game in the 11 games that they've lost since 2001 to Iowa. And um, I, I just find that an amazing – no wonder we're not winning. We can't score against them. Yep. And uh, Iowa in, that, in the last five and a half – I'm counting this as a half year. In the last five and a half years, they're five and two this year. They're four and two this year. And they'd be five and two if they beat Illinois. But uh, they have won 51 out of 70 games. 51 out of 70 games. And of those 20 loss, uh, 21 losses, 16 have been by single figures. They don't get beat badly. They just play everybody close, and they win most of those close games. And I Kirk- mean— Kirk Ferentz in his 22nd season is 11-3 and three against Illinois. Yep, yep. And he lost, he lost a couple of those early. Yep, he did. <laughs> the last Illinois win was in uh, 2008. That was a 27-24 yep. Illinois win here at Memorial Stadium. But it, uh, interesting we, we stuff, mentioned though. already that Iowa hasn't given up 25 points in any of their last 20 games. I'm going to repeat that. 20 consecutive games, they have not given up 25 points. And some other against def- anybody. Some other defensive stats this year. They've got 19 sacks on the season, 10 interception interceptions, and two pick sixes. Two pick sixes. For the Iowa defense, which is rated third in the Big Ten. That game kicks off at uh, 235. You know what guys like you and me are doing right now if, um, if we're in the press box at a football stadium for an 11 o'clock kick, of which there are three of those today. You know what we're doing the last 20, 30 minutes? We're going, do you see so-and-so? Do you see is so-and-so dressed? And Oh, uh, yeah, You're checking the field to see who's, who's out there. Who's warming up, who's not. And we don't know until exactly. we see. I just uh, saw a text from our friend Tom Deanhart, who covers Purdue, and uh, Purdue is playing at home against Nebraska, and yeah. he's, he's looking to see if so-and-so's there and – and if not, why? And when we're going to get the word on that? We don't know who's going to play for Illinois or Iowa today until right. we see the see them on the field. Yep. You and I will be there, won't we? I guess so. I'm going to be there. And Martin O'Donnell and Ed Bond. 
<laughs> Brian Barnhart. We've got our own little private areas <laughs> in a big stadium. Yeah. 1029, we'll take a break here as we approach the bottom of the hour. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 1032, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until the 11 o'clock hour ahead of Illinois football this afternoon. Our pregame coverage back on the air at 1230 for that uh, 235 kickoff. And a guy getting ready to get in the car and head east is Joey Wagner from the Decatur Herald and Review to cover the football game. Good morning, Joey. How are you? Morning, Steve. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. We're hanging in there talking Illinois football, Illinois basketball. We'll do that with you for a few minutes if you don't mind. How do you uh, size this ball game up today between the Hawkeyes and the Fighting Illini? Well, I mean, if you look at what Illinois did the last time we saw them, they looked really good against Nebraska. And I, I mean, it's really the third time we've seen what what we think is going to be the, the full team. I mean, there's a couple injuries that Lovey, you know, obviously hasn't really shared with us. But in terms of a COVID situation, this is the third time all season we've seen the team that they really hyped up coming into this. And, and the last time out, they looked pretty good. But Iowa's Iowa. They've had Illinois' number for – you know, since 2008, really, and I, you know, they obviously at 63 nothing beat down. Illinois looked better last year, but it's still Iowa. They still have a system, and I mean, it's a tough matchup. Yeah, it was a better matchup last year in Iowa City, a 19 to 10 game, uh, and Brandon Peters, besides suffering a, an injury in that ball game, also had three turnovers in that game as well. It might have been closer, but uh, they at least to be uh, appeared to be more uh, level on the playing field with Iowa last year. Yeah, that's really what we've seen this program do over the course of the last few years is close that talent gap between where they are and where the rest of the Big Ten is. And it's paid, you know, I mean, it's paid off, right? I and mean, we've seen either closer games or we've seen them get wins. I mean, there have been some clunkers in there. Minnesota was a clunker. Wisconsin was a clunker. But outside of those, I mean, we've really seen these games be far more competitive. And, I mean, I was a really good measuring sticks from two years ago when there was a pretty sizable talent gap to last year where it was closer, and we'll see what happens today. Well, what do you uh, analyze the, the Illinois team in the Nebraska game? Now, one one thing I want to bring up, Illinois had five, made five turnovers, I mean, uh, 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 took the ball away five times, okay, five mm-hmm. turnovers for Nebraska, plus Illinois fumbled three times and recovered it each time. <laughs> so how much did that play into the game as opposed to Illinois simply being more physical and a better football team than Nebraska? Well, the turnovers, I mean, that's what Lovey wants to do. I mean, it's so it's, turnovers are hard to read, Lauren, because in some instances you say, well, there's and really in all instances you say there's a level of luck. There's a level of luck that those three fumbles fell back into Illinois' hands. But they also, there is a system that they do where they – they do make it a point to take the ball away. I mean, you, you've got to take advantage of some, some bad passes and, you know, maybe a tip ball falls into Illinois' hands. But, the, you know, five probably indicates to me you can look at two of those and say, well, they're probably lucky. And I, I don't remember the, the exact situation for all five, but five's an awfully big number to say, well, there was no luck involved on any one of those. The three fumbles, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a level of luck there. But you, you, we've talked to Lovey enough, we've talked to these players enough to know that that is a point that, that they try to make to punch that thing out, to rip it out, to gang tackle so they can, you know, have a couple guys pulling and yanking on the ball. 
So, I mean, they were probably more physical, but yeah, I mean, those, those things definitely help. We talked a lot earlier about the future for, for Illinois and, and the possibility of seniors returning. And, and I, I'm wondering, who's the quarterback at Illinois next year? Do you see this being Isaiah Williams? Do you see Peters coming back? What, what do you think? Oh, that's a good question. We asked Brandon about that on, when we talked, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, and like everybody else, he, he's being awfully quiet about it. You can't blame him. Look, Brandon's 23 years old. I mean, it's a long time to be in college. You'd be 24 or about the time, you know, next year as they prepare for what we think is going to be a normal schedule in a bowl game. You know, I don't know. What what more can he have to prove in college? I mean, it seems like a lot. We go in, it's November or December 4th, 5th, whatever it is, and <laughs> he's going to make his first start at Memorial Stadium this year. It's just been that kind of weird year. So there is stuff he can still prove. A 24 in college, that's, it's, it's just hard for me to think that at some point he wouldn't you know, be interested just moving on with his life, trying his, his luck to get on, get an invite to a, some sort of training camp. And then you have Isaiah Williams, who would be in his third season in the system. It seems like, you know, obviously we've seen this year, they're making more of an effort to get involved. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't know. I mean, I, I lean towards thinking – you know, maybe Braden would have interest in in moving forward, but he's certainly not really indicated that with us. But if you kind of look at how everything plays out, you can, you know, it's easy for me to draw the the line to see him moving forward with his life, and you know, Isaiah Williams being the guy who steps into that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of lean toward that way too. I think that Peters probably will not return. I think that Hanson will not return. I think that Green will turn pro and be the highest draftee of from this squad. And I am. Kramer, I just don't know. Kramer, uh, uh, he's he's a better center than than we've had in most years. But uh, uh, h- how does he stack up professionally? Do you think? It's gonna be tough. I mean, I think it'd be one of those where he would try to get into a camp, and you never know what happens when you get into a camp, right? I mean, especially you know, we know Doug's a really hard worker. We know he's a good center, and we know he's personable. Those things when you get into a camp, I mean. If, if it comes down to like a, you know, him or him, you lean towards the guy who, who you know has the traits that Doug has. But, you know, I, I don't know beyond that, to be honest with you. Visiting with Joey Wagner from the Decatur Herald and Review, covers Illinois football and basketball. And you were in Indianapolis earlier this week, Wednesday night, to see the Illinois Baylor game. You've had a couple of days to, to kind of think about that. Uh, how do you feel about this Illinois team now going forward? I don't think my thoughts really changed on Illinois, to be honest. I mean, look, Baylor's incredibly good. I mean, there's a reason they won 23 straight last year. They were going to be a number one seed in the tournament. They brought back four starters. They got some impact transfers. They looked like a veteran team. I mean, Illinois, they, they hung with them. It really it came down to just a, a minute and a half. Really, there was like a 28-second stretch there in the second half that it was a 7 nothing run. And Against Baylor, that may as well be a 14 nothing or 21 nothing. the way they play defense. They're just really, really good defensively. Illinois made some mistakes. I mean, they're, I didn't think they rebounded particularly well, especially, you know, Baylor got 24 second-chance points, I think it was. I mean, they were good on the offensive glass. There's some pick-and-roll issues that Illinois is going to have to, to sort out defensively, and, you know, you would think an additional time of practice here is going to help do that. But I don't know that my chain or my thought really changed on what this Illinois team 
is or it's going to be. This is the fourth game of the season. I, I mean, who knows what this game looks like in March. And, I, I mean, by that same token, this is fourth, third game, I guess, of Baylor's season. So they're obviously going to get better. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know that there's any big grand overreaction to take out of that. That's just an incredibly good Baylor team. You see uh, uh, any adjustments as um, Underwood goes forward in terms of his rotation? I mean, I think the more we see it, it's hard to it's hard to keep Andre Curbelo off the floor. And we've seen his, you know, he played pretty well against Baylor. And, you know, I, I just, it's hard to imagine that the minutes for him not going up just because he's so, he's just good. I mean, he, he's so crafty with the way he passes. He set up Kofi for a couple nights. I mean, he just made Kofi's job so much easier down in the paint. And the way he dishes the ball around, and you can just tell that, I mean, he's a couple steps ahead in, in terms of what he's seeing. I, it's just it's hard for me to, to think that we're not going to see more and more of him moving forward. Uh, everybody's considering the Big Ten the number one conference in the country this year. you agree with that? And, and uh, do we have some uh, – are we overrating anybody? I'd probably agree with that just in terms of the depth. I, I mean, it's – you look around and I don't know that there's too many games where you – you know, if you're an opposing team, you can kind of let your shoulders down and and have any level of coasting. It's just just a deep, deep conference. I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, to look at that, Lauren. Especially, every team this early in the season, you look and you're like, oh, wow, they were that close with whatever small college. And, and then, you know, in two weeks, they're, they're blowing the doors off of, you know, everybody they see. So I, I don't know that. You know, certainly, I don't know that you would, if you look at the top of this thing, Iowa's really, really good. Illinois is really, really good. And Wisconsin brings back a ton of players. Michigan State, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know that you can ever really overrate a Tom Izzo team, but certainly they're, they're working their way through replacing, you know, guys like Tillman and Winston. But again, you're going to look down and you're going to say, oh, yeah, Michigan State's got single digit losses and, you know, 20 wins or whatever the case might be, and, and here they are. So, I, I mean, in terms of the top, where, where most, you know, you look at where these teams are rated, those top four, I, I don't know that any one of them are, are really overrated. It just It's just a really good middle and lower middle tier of the conference. Joey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, taking time with us, and drive safely as you uh, make your way over, and we'll see you over at Memorial Stadium this afternoon. Hey, thanks for the time, guys. We'll see you in a couple hours. You bet. Joey Wagner from the Decatur Herald and Review. Again, no basketball game tonight. The UT Martin game has been canceled a week from, is it a week from tonight? Yes. The Missouri game? Yeah, Saturday. 7 o'clock has been. Uh, yeah, doubleheader. Football at, at Northwestern and at Missouri. Yep, Saturday night is the basketball time next week in Missouri. Looked pretty good in that Oregon game. I know it. I know it. Tillman I is playing very well. <laughs> I know it. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I could see where Illinois has got a tough assignment every time out now. I mean, permanently. Yeah. There are no more From easy games. Northwestern will be the easiest game they have all season. Got a couple of callers. Let's uh, go to the phones. And Joe is with us. What do you say, Joe? Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was wondering if you guys have any information about how to pick up this uh, halftime show today that the REO Speedwagon is going to put on. 
sports team or somebody for the football game. Right. If you go to fightingillini.com, the website, there'll be some instructions on there how to do it. Okay. Thank you. You bet. 10.43 is the time. We'll take a time out and be back with more. The phone line will be open until the top of the hour at 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 10.46. Some breaking news on this Saturday morning regarding today's schedule of college basketball. The Baylor-Gonzaga game has been mutually agreed between the two schools to be not played. In Indianapolis, Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated, among others. And Dan O'Neill. Reporting that uh, a player and a staff member for Gonzaga has tested positive. So they have mutually agreed not to play it. And another report, Ohio State football is going to play Michigan State today without 17 members of the squad, either positive, contact tracing, or injured. 17 members of the squad are all out for Ohio State. Well, that game gets underway shortly, so it would be interesting to turn that on to see who's playing and, yeah. and who's not, certainly at uh, key positions. Phone line is open here for the next 10 minutes or so, 356-9397. Let's go to Earl in Rantoul. Earl, good morning. Uh, good morning. How you gentlemen doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm awesome. Um, whatever happened uh, last week uh, to that uh, – uh, uh, lady punter on that one football team. Did she ever do anything? Well, she kicked off one time. Kicked and, off uh, to start the second half. Yeah, yeah and she's also, um, she's still on the team. Oh. I mean, but she what? didn't make any uh, game-winning points or anything? No, 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 no. She no, never had an opportunity. They got shut out, for one thing, and, uh, so she never uh, had a chance to kick an extra point, or nor did they get into any kind of field goal range. Uh, okay, I, I kind of figured if... Uh, she had done anything like that. That's all we hear about for about two or three days. But I didn't hear anything, so I just wondered uh, how she did. That was it. She had one kickoff, and that uh, started the second half. Earl, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right. Let's go, to, right. Let's go to Marty down in uh, North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. What's on hey, your mind today? Well, interesting that uh, Ohio State lost 17 players. It'll almost be a halfway fair game now, won't it? Well, that depends on who those 17 are. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it kind of does. But, boy, they, they're they probably 17 deep behind that, though. <laughs> well, there's no question I mean, that there are plenty of players on the team. Take a look at who they recruit. Yeah. I don't think that – I think that will make the game a little more on the fair side. But, anyway, uh, your question you asked, Joey, was pretty good about uh, playing time and would changes made. Corbello is going to see a little more. And I think Coleman Hawkins – is going to see a little more. I thought he played pretty well uh, against a good team. Um, question for the two of you. Um, of the non-tendered people you saw in the major leagues this week, and there were a lot of pretty good players, who are the Cardinals going to go after there, Stephen Warren, to buck up the offense, especially in the outfield? I've, I haven't taken a real hard look at it. Um been kind of busy with football and basketball season, but there's an outfielder from Colorado. What's his name? Dahl. That's my guy. Yeah, you like yeah, him? I like him. I do. Tell me why. Because he's only twenty, only twenty six. He's had injury problems, but Colorado is not a good place to recuperate in the high air. And uh, he can play all three outfield positions: left-handed bat, hits lefties just as good as righties. Uh, that that's the guy I would like to see him go after. 
How about Lauren? I mean, there's the there's the sage of Monticello there. He no. wants to get uh, country into Slaughter back in the outfield. I want I want Slaughter <laughs> back. I'll take Musial too. <laughs> <laughs> How about Ducky Medwick? <laughs> well, he was good. Yeah. All he right. wouldn't he wouldn't go too good in this era. He was a racist. <laughs> Yeah, well, Country Slaughter would probably be in that category too, wouldn't he? I don't know. I don't know enough about Slaughter that way. I don't know. Well, Slaughter intentionally spiked Jackie Robinson when he was at first base his rookie year. Well, that's not good. So, No, that's not good. He jumped into him when he was thrown out on a ground ball and spiked him in the in the leg. So I'd say he might qualify there too. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, you guys make it a great one. I think it'll be a decent game today, actually. Okay, Marty, thanks. Um, we, hey, all... one, la- one last little question, maybe ask. Since the seniors have the extra year of eligibility, I'm assuming everyone has an extra year, basically, don't they? Since this season doesn't count? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, you think the season doesn't count for anybody? I think that's right. Is that right? I, I think, hadn't thought I about think that. If you're a... So if you're a freshman, you're still a freshman. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. You yeah, are right. Everybody, you're, right. that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's going to have a long-term effect on how recruiting goes and what they need. Anyway, mm-hmm. make it a great one, guys. Thanks, yeah. Marty. Appreciate it. They've already do this to an extent, but you're going to have to, to have a department, two or three people at least, keeping track of who's a freshman, who's not, and who's in the transfer portal. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's a daily when, thing. When does the 85 go back into effect? Right. I thought that went back into effect next year, not this year, not this coming year. But oh. the following year, because oh. it definitely doesn't go into effect this coming year. I, I talked to Kent Brown about it, and he said that that's a big factor. So they can still bring in a lot of freshmen and transfers and keep the seniors. Let's go back to the phone. Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I got a question. You guys haven't touched on it yet this morning, but both of you being in the media, I was just wondering your comment, and I really respect him, but Len Casper making a move to do play-by-play, and they say he left some money on the table. But I was just going to get your opinion on that one. I was a little bit surprised by it, but um, as somebody that has worked in both radio and TV, I I could see why he would do it. I think baseball on radio is is much more fun as an announcer. It's a little more difficult because you are the eyes of everybody. But, Steve, does anybody listen to the radio for baseball other than in their car? If you're home and you've got the TV, why would you, watch, why would you listen to it when you can watch it? Well, it depends on if, you're, if you'd rather, if you prefer the, the radio. I would listen to Jack Buck no matter if the game is on TV or not on TV because okay. I like Jack okay. Buck on the radio. But you'd still watch the game. Maybe, yeah. but if not, well, okay. you might be in the garage cleaning out your garage. Oh, doing sure, whatever. I understand. I, yeah. To me, baseball and radio were made for each other. Well, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I just find it interesting that Casper's going from TV, one team on TV to the other team on radio. On the other side of town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about it, Steve? Well, I just respected him because he wants to do play-by-play. It's not a money issue. He's probably got enough in his savings account to retire, but he just wanted to enjoy doing baseball in a radio and come postseason time, he was out of a job because TV, national networks took it and everything. So true, true. now he gets to broadcast games from radio if they get in the playoffs. That's a good point. And uh, as I mentioned, radio play-by-play is different than 
television play-by-play. Obviously, you don't have to talk as much in television. People see what's going on. So a lot of times it makes sense not to, to say anything in certain situations. Well, on the radio, you can't do that. You got to, you're the eyes of everybody else. And that, that's what I really enjoy, that challenge of that side of it. So, well, anyway, I just wanted to get your comment because both of you are involved in the media, and I just going to see what you had to say about it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for the call. 10.55. I was on TV 11 years, if you want to call what I did. And, you know, I had a couple of uh, individual shows uh, in addition to the news, Mm -hmm. sports news. But I I quit that in 79 to do this show. (laughs) Well, and I started out my career in radio and did a lot of different things. And I've done television play-by-play as well. And when I went from the radio side to the TV side, I had to be real conscious about not over-talking. Uh-huh. And when to lay out, like mm-hmm. on an Andy Kaufman yeah. game-winning shot. Nothing yeah. needed to be say, said yeah. there when you were on TV. Mm-hmm. When you guys were doing it on the radio, you had to, oh, yeah. you know. But I think the last thing I said before he took the shot, he might get a shot. And I just shut up. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the TV said the story. You and, bet. But on, on radio, you have to do it a different way. 10.55, need to take our final break. And we'll do that and be back after this. The Baylor-Gonzaga game has been postponed. Information coming in now is that they will try to maybe reschedule that. That'd be in the best interest of college basketball, I think. Yeah, well, I, I, that uh, I, that makes sense. I mean, one Gonzaga player and one member of the staff have tested positive today, so they're going to try to make it up later. All right, we're going to be back with you this afternoon for Big Ten football, Illinois and Iowa, and some of those games, the 11 o'clock games, are just getting underway. A little issue at Purdue huh, with a player injured in the... A uh, Nebraska player injured in, in, the, in warm-up. the warm-up, <laughs> and they, they took him off on a cart. Isn't that something? 2020, it's a different kind of year. Thanks to Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City, Martin O'Donnell, Radio football analyst Trent Meacham and Joey Wagner. They were our guests on the show today. Again, we'll be back with you this afternoon right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.